name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 226, sweetie. And do you want to know what Zen Parenting Radio is? Uh-huh. It's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, count them three, ages 7, 10, and 12. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, sweetie, to become a better you. And always remember our motto, which is... The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's... Hold on. Oh. The best predictor... For reals. The, I, I got my sound effects back. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. No, I wish I had a symbol. Yeah. That was my symbol. That was good. But I made it with my mouth. You know, I'm still reading all these books about the brain, and I came across something this weekend while we were away where really it just... That quote, and we can say it a million different ways, but really for us to be able to tap in and understand somebody else, we have to be able to tap in to what we're feeling first, not just on that emotional level, but that's the way the brain works. Mm -hmm. The brain, if we can tap into the way that we're feeling, it like increases, strengthens our ability to relate to other people. So when people are like, oh, self-awareness, blah, 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 it's emotional, it's not that important, this is, it's bigger, it's it's mind, brain, body. Yes, it is. Do you remember Twilight Zone, the movie? Yes. Well, not the movie, the show. I know, but do you remember the movie? I do. It was a little scary. It was Creepers. The, the little boy who got whatever he wanted because everyone was afraid of him because he had superpowers. Yeah. And he took his sister's mouth away. Kid was a freak with a microphone. Now that's the thing is once he was loved by that woman, I feel like we've talked about this on this show. We've been doing this five years. Possible. (laughs) But once that woman loved him and accepted him, what did he do? Uh, he, He was cool. He stopped harming. He just wanted someone to tell him he was okay. Leave it to Sweetie to pull up parenting uh, learning (laughs) opportunities out of Twilight Zone, the movie. (laughs) I remember watching it and being like, once that woman loved him and it was, what's her name from Kathleen Quinlan from Apollo 13. That's right. Once she was like, you're fine Mm -hmm. and I will care for you and I will take care of you. He was like, great. Yeah. Um, are we going to do our movie thing today? I didn't bring it downstairs. We'll do that on Fridays. We can give a few of them because I have three on the top of my head. So Kathy and I had a fun weekend and within the weekend we decided to, because I always make fun of Kathy because she tells me all these different movies that are in her top 10. Yes. And she has about 20 different movies in her top 10. I just shove them in. So I'm forcing her to come up with her top 10. I think I'm at top 15. You're not allowed to do that. Though. Well, then I'm going to have to work some things through. So on Friday's show, we are going to each share our top 10. Movies. Movies. And then we'll let the listeners decide whose list is better. No. Instead of better, comp- competition person, um, can we just Sweetie, have- is that your best <laughs> competitor against me? Competitor. That's the word I was looking for. You know what? I, I think you're scared. I'm not scared. If, if You know what? Either way, people are going to give their opinion. But what I'm saying is let's make it more fun rather than one wins, one loses. But that's what's fun. Well, let's say if they have other movies that we've forgotten. Okay. Because here's the thing about the list. The reason Todd and I finally sat down and did a list is because sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's one of my favorite movies. And I haven't even – I've forgotten about it. And so it sometimes takes time. 
to make the list yeah. because you have to kind of sit with it and be like, oh, wait a second, this and that. So if there's other movies we have forgotten, then people can give us So that. I want to talk about what we're going to talk about talk about <laughs> on the show. Um, we're going to talk about an experience that you had regarding male-female. Um, how do I summarize this very quickly? Um, I, I had no something that we talked about in my women's circle that a lot of the really resonated with a lot of the women that had to do with giving what's the word um credit mm-hmm. where credit is due mm-hmm. and how women will, respond, will give credit will forward the credit on and oftentimes generally speaking men will own it will own it Take rather than it. than give credit to where it's deserved so and then the other thing is we're going to talk about uh texting and some of the evils of texting well, how about say this instead, how texting can sometimes harm our important relationships um, because it is often perceived or we often use it as an easy way out of situations. All right. Don't you think? I do. I do. I think that it And I don't is... think I'm above that. I think I've used it sometimes. Remember, remember that Sex in the City where, um, what's her name, Sarah Jessica Parker got broken up with on a post-it note yes burger now if texts were available back then he probably would have texted the breakup he probably would have or he would have texted her um look for my post-it note it's on your desk what would have been better um a post-it note breakup letter or a text breakup letter i think both kind of blow they kind of suck yeah i think you're right um that was burger sweetie um and i'm going to talk about calvin and Hobbes. i forgot about that about his book? Bill Watterson. Yeah. He's the author of all the – he's the, the artist mm-hmm. and the writer. So yes. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, learning from one of my favorite comic strips of all time, Calvin and Hobbes. But first, our first partner is Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Her number is 630-941-8733. And remember that Dr. Kelly uh, is certified for pediatric chiropractic care. And we believe that she's the only one in Elmhurst that has it. So that's yet another reason why you should check her out. And her website is at chirotree.com. Now, sweetie, will you explain what the Empowerment Project is? Yes. So everybody, Monday, May 18th, Todd and I are bringing another documentary to town along with um, comprehensive Clinical Services. They are our partner with bringing this movie to town. They and are. what is uh, Comprehensive Clinical Services website? Discoverccs.org. Dan Martinez is our buddy and he's helping us uh, bring this documentary to they, Elmhurst. They have they have a multidisciplinary staff of therapists. So marital therapy, um, individual therapy, family, just go to their website and find what you need. Um, so we're grateful to them for helping us bring this documentary to town. Do you want to know what town. their mission is, sweetie? I know it. To heal your symptoms and help you take a better path for your health. I love it. Um, So this movie, The Empowerment Project, it's uh, created by um, a group of female documentarians and they went all across the country to find ordinary women who are doing extraordinary things because oftentimes a light isn't shined on women who are already doing these amazing things. And um, not only does that kind of change the way we view women in our culture, but it's not good for our our younger kids because they need to be able to, Todd and I believe in the see it to be it philosophy, which is we have to show children examples and role models of what is possible. Pretty simple, right? It is. And again, some people can can pave the way and they're pioneers without that. I'm not saying it's not it's not doable. To put our daughters in a position to thrive. To succeed. And the way to do that is for them to see 
all the other amazing women that are out there doing amazing things. And let's our, put our sons in a in a position to see women in the most tr- in the most truthful light. I'd love to see sons at this theater. Me too. I it's... challenge our listeners to bring our bring their sons because they need to see it as badly as the girls do. So here's our suggestions. Again, it's Monday, May 18th. It's a um, seven, o'clock. It's 7 o'clock at York Theater in Elmhurst. Um, make it a date night. Daddy, daughter. It could be mom, daughter. It could be the whole family. It could be son and dad, son and daughter, you know, just son and daughter. It could be, you know, just come. Just mm-hmm. please come to this movie. Um, nine bucks a ticket. Nine bucks a ticket. It's in the theater. You get popcorn. It's fun. It's it's not even that long. It's an hour long. Yeah. And then Todd and I will have a short discussion afterwards, but it's really, especially the short discussion we're going to have, we'd like to engage the kids more than the adults. Yeah. So please bring your children. They recommend it for kids nine and up. Mm-hmm. But if you have a daughter or a son who is seven, seven or eight and you feel like they can handle being in a movie um, about a topic such as this, bring them. There's nothing in the movie that is um, negative. No. Uh, it's just that it's because safe. of the content, yep. um, you know, we, they thought the interested parties would be more nine and above. But please get your tickets at um, – go to ZenParentingRadio.com, click on events, and you can get your tickets there. Um, if you have any issue getting tickets, go to comments at ZenParentingRadio.com. Um, last week, I promised a few uh, Ron Swanson quotes, quotes, sweetie. Oh, good. So who's Ron Swanson again? Ron Swanson is the director of Parks on Parks and Recreation. The TV show. Right. And we're big fans of this guy. Um, So here we go. For date of birth, he wrote springtime. Which is true. Everything you write down is confidential. We need you to give real answers. Fine. How many drinks of alcohol do you consume a week? One. That's it? One drink? One shelf. Do you exercise? Yes. Love making and woodworking. Do you have any history of mental illness in your family? I have an uncle who does yoga. Allergies? Cowardice and weak-willed men. And hazelnuts. Sexual history. Epic and private. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's like five good lines in that one clip. I know. And hazelnuts. Ron... Beautiful Swanson. I know. And so I guess Nick Offerman has a book that's supposed to be really funny. And my niece told me yesterday that she has heard she loves Parks and Rec and she has heard that he as a person is very similar to this character. So I don't know that to be true. But anyway. So great. Um, All right. So let's get into the first topic. Actually, let me do Bill Watterson first. Bill Watterson is the artist and the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. And he has a book out where it's like kind of a long interview because he's kind of reclusive. He's actually, he said in the book, he's not reclusive. Well, he does not do interviews. Okay. What's his, what's the book called so everybody um, knows? Let's see. It doesn't say on my photocopied pieces of paper, oh. but just Google it. Okay. New Calvin and Hobbes book because they have a display of a, a lot of his work at some museum or something or other in Ohio. So anyways... And this is like the exhibit yeah, into book form. Yes, okay. exactly. So the, he talks about parenting. This is a parenting podcast, sweetie. Yes, it That's is. That's what I'm bringing in here. Yes. So I'm going to give you two different uh, quotes from uh, Bill. He says, really, I suppose the biggest gift my parents gave me was a lot of time. There was never a sense that I should be doing something else. If I was up in my room drawing, nobody bothered me. That kind of time is just indispensable. It's not a luxury. It's an absolute requirement. You've got to mess around. It's the only way to figure stuff out. Amen, Bill. What do you think of that? I think that that I when he was saying that, I was just thinking I reflected back to my childhood and how often 
I was just in my room pretending I was singing in a mirror, doing like visualizations. I mean, I didn't call them visualizations when I was a kid, but kind of creating things in my head, putting on a million different outfits. Like that's how you figure out who you are. Well, and I think we as parents have times where we want to, we feel like it's easier just to keep our kids busy all the time. Now here's the trick. Your kids are going to say, I'm bored. Initially. Give me something to do. Right. You got to break through that wall. And what I mean by that is you got to wait them out mm-hmm. because if a kid is bored long enough, they'll figure something out. Well, and let's also take responsibility for the fact that when they say they're bored, oftentimes it's because we have set them up to be busy all the time. Right. So they don't, they're it's not like, used to it's it. a muscle they haven't worked. Right. So when I was a kid, I had plenty of open time. So it was a very well used muscle. Like I knew when I had time to myself, what to do with it, mm-hmm. meaning it, it was always different, but it didn't scare me to be bored. Right. So parents fight through the urge to keep your kids consistently busy. Um, deal with the annoyance that they have when they make you feel guilty because they're bored. Because Kindly yes. deal with it yeah. because a lot of parents will guilt the child. Well, what we say is it's so great you're bored. Like think about it like, you know, what, say it's spring break. They're used to being at school all week. Think about if you were in school, would you like to be at home right now mm-hmm. doing whatever you wanted? Right. Well, this is your chance. This is your chance. Now, the way – like sometimes we say things like, well, this is great that you're bored. But sometimes that's met with an eye roll. Mm-hmm. And I try and be more literal with them. Like you guys, I know it feels like you have a lot of space and you're not sure what to do. But that's when things happen. So if there's a book you've been meaning to pick up or if there was you know, something you've been meaning to find under your bed. Mm-hmm. Like Cameron found a bunch of stuff under her bed yesterday. Go do that now. Any it's, food under there? No, no, it's okay. not that bad. Um, but, you know, like this is the opportunity to do those things you never have time to do. And so um, even, you know, telling your kids to make a list when they think of something, when they're saying, oh, I wanted to do this and you guys are about to run out the door, say, make a note of that. So next time you're bored, right. you can do it. I right. mean, I, I don't think there's above being so, a little organized in our boredom, you know, like, oh, what are the things I want to do? That's right. So um, if anybody has any Calvin and Hobbes uh, fans out there, I'm trying to, oh, here it is. It's called Exploring Calvin and Hobbes, an exhibition catalog. Nice. So I'm a big fan. I read through it while we were um, alone together this weekend when we did our anniversary weekend thing. Yes. And um, I think from everything I read from Calvin and Hobbes, which is quite a bit since you have every book under the sun in our house. Um, Calvin's brilliant and he's a kid. And so sometimes it comes through in kind of crazy ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but he is one of our greatest teachers and, you know, if I ever got a tattoo, sweetie, it'd be Calvin. It'd be Calvin. And I think Hobbes, I I don't think I can have one without the other. Don't you think Hobbes is his, I mean, obviously it's his tiger and, Mm -hmm. and in our, as we read it. Well, Hobbes is smarter than Calvin. He is, but don't you think Hobbes is his conscience? Don't you think Hobbes is part of his heart? I think the author, the creator wants you you to kind of decide for yourself who they are. And that's the thing is I read it with um, – I read it thinking that they are two separate, meaning mm-hmm. that I allow that to be how mm-hmm. I get myself through a, a strip. I like to think that Hobbes is a magical tiger and does come alive. Yeah, because you know what? Let's talk about it for a second. All right. If Hobbes is the part of him that keeps him grounded and open-hearted and creative and joy-filled, then it is a piece of him that comes alive. There you go. And I think that what happens, what the, the, the I don't know for sure because I haven't read the book you're talking about yet, but what Bill Watterson is trying to say 
is don't let this part of you die mm-hmm. because a lot of people get very in their head and Hobbes is a piece of his heart yeah. and it keeps him playing yeah because that's what we're supposed to do he's it was the comic strip lasted 10 years and calvin stayed six years old the, the whole, whole time. time i love that um so let's talk about your women's circle okay so here's the thing um one of the i'll start with me so i don't start with the women in my circle um i don't know if i've ever told this story on the show before but about four or five years ago um this is kind of a not a dark story, but it's kind of not my best. Um, You're showing your full self. I'm so, showing my full self. This wasn't my best self. Um, about four or five years ago, Todd started to obviously we started this show, and Todd started to do yoga, mm-hmm. and tar- Todd started to you know he had some desires to do a men's group, and a lot of the things that Todd I modeled my men's group after your women's circle. Right. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Um, so Todd started doing all these things and he did them with a lot of excitement and he did them with a lot of drive and passion. And I, for as happy as I was for Todd, because I really was supporting you and all those things, like I would, I've been saying to you since I met you, you would be a great teacher. You mm. are a teacher. Mm. And he really wasn't doing any of those things. And once he started doing them, I had a very egoy, dark issue that I had to deal with where I started to feel like he was taking away things that were mine. Mm -hmm. And it was very uncomfortable because I knew my height, my best self wanted nothing more for him than all these things. But there was part of me that felt like I, some of the specialness of me Mm -hmm. was starting to be pulled from my, from me by my husband, which if you think abundantly, there's no way that could happen. But I was thinking small. And so it sat with me for a while. And uh, I finally one night or I think it was one day because I remember we were in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I finally said to you exactly this, um, exactly what I'm saying now. I said, I know that this isn't my best self, but I'm starting to feel like you are taking over pieces of my life. And Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like there's no separation. I was like a copycat. Now, yeah. Because you had two different parts of yourself kind of in, in combating in conflict. with – In yeah. conflict with one yeah. another. The higher self is Godspeed. Go ahead, Todd. Do yoga. Not only that, but yet, Todd, will you come to yoga with me? Yeah. Um, yeah. You Todd, actually yeah. nurtured it. You, you, I wanted you involved. Yes, right. The radio show. Right. You know, they said to me, so, who do you want to be your – who? What? who's your partner? And I said, Todd's going to be my partner. So now as a guy, that's why I was confused at the time. I don't know how many years ago this conversation happened. It was about happened, five years ago. But it was very confusing to me because you – obviously you blazed the trail and I probably didn't acknowledge that you blazed the trail. But at the same time, what didn't make sense to me is that you – nurtured and supported this process. Todd, you should come into yoga. Todd, get on the podcast. Todd, you should do your you should lead men. You're a, you can do this. And then once I started doing that, the other side started to show us show itself. Exactly. And the thing is is the fir- the the bright side didn't disappear, but the ugly side started to show itself. I started to feel it. I started mm. to feel like I said part of it was my own ego identity in what made me who I am is I was very focused on surfacey things. Right. Like I'm a therapist, I'm a yoga teacher, you know, I, you know, practice self-awareness. And so I started to, I accepted those things as that's who I am. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing that too, then what makes me special in this relationship right. and, and in this line of work? So 
again, I still have those feelings sometimes. It's not like you get through it and you're like, oh, I'm no longer identified to my work. I mean, come on. Right. You know, like I have moments where I'm very identified with my work and my work is to process through that and to get back to groundedness. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing is I never, when I told Todd that, and let me say this, and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, it's very hard to show your dark Mm -hmm. to people you love, especially because I knew he wouldn't fully understand it. Because if I remember correctly, what I kept saying to you is what if I became a salesman Mm -hmm. at JVI and all of a sudden I was showing up to JVI and I was there all the time and people were calling me to Mm -hmm. be a salesman Mm -hmm. and you had been there for 20 years and all of a sudden I'm stepping in and you're like, oh, I think it would be great. But see, you couldn't feel the weight of of it because it wasn't really happening because JVI was yours. Yeah, it was was an imaginary scenario. It was a hypothetical. So it would have been, which is what? lying to my brain. And who says that? Kenneth Parcells. Who, who's Kenneth That's Parcells? from 30 Rock. I watched 30 Rock last night again. Yeah, yeah, I cheated on Parks and Rec. <laughs> um, so anyway, I it was very hard for me. And I think I even cried when I told you because it was kind of – there was two things going on. Number one, that I was really having that feeling that I was about to show Todd this feeling, which is not a really good side of myself. And number three, it was a relief mm-hmm. because I'd been carrying it around and it was showing up in other ways. Right. Annoyance. Annoyance. Like, for example, it would be like 6.30 at night – and I'd think we'd be winding down. And Todd would be like, I think I'm going to go to a yoga class. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like that's – I should be going to a yoga class. So now as a guy, um, as an, a, a non-evolved man, uh-huh. as caveman, I would say you you don't own yoga. Correct. So that's a part. You know, you talk about different parts of yourself. Right. Like there's a part of me that was supportive in your struggle of conflict between these two ideas within yourself. Uh, but the other one's like, you don't own yoga, so how can you take any possession over it? And see, that's hopefully that's a surface thought because I never claimed right. to own yoga. Right. Um, and it was, can you see? It had nothing to do with yoga. Right. It was, can you see that these things are very dear to me mm-hmm. and they are part, I, I kind of, they... They are pieces of who I am. Right. And all of a sudden you have embraced them and taken them as your own, mm-hmm. which you should, but I started to feel unseen. Mm-hmm. Like, do you realize that, you know, that a lot of these experiences you're having are because I brought them into your world? Do you remember that taxi? Remember the show Taxi? Yes. And Bobby Wheeler was a struggling actor. Yes. And he was struggling and struggling and struggling. Yes. And then some other taxi guy who showed up for that episode, I yes. think. He's like, well, I think I might want to try try it out. And so- Try he, acting? Yeah, try acting okay. out. So he did. And like he got, you know, headline on Broadway right away. Wow. And Bobby Wheeler was very miffed. Right. So this guy didn't pay his dues. Bobby was still paying his dues. So like I just kind of show up. You blaze a trail for this format of this women's circle that you did. I basically completely copied what you did and just kind of made it more masculine. And I didn't have to work as hard to create it because it was already created for me. Well, and, you know, and yes, that's a piece of it. I feel that. That resonates. But it was also – I didn't want you to not do these things anymore. I wanted you to embrace them. But it was acknowledgement Mm -hmm. because what what ended up coming up in my women's circle because I shared this with them 
is that a lot of people were kind of nodding their heads and saying things like, yeah, I've been mentioning this book Mm -hmm. to my husband, you know, like, um, let's think of something. Maybe it was the, you know, a Thich Nhat Hanh book. And I've been mentioning it to him for years or Eckhart Tolle's books. And then all of a sudden he comes home one day and says, Todd or Frank or somebody else told me about this book, so I'm going to read it. Mm -hmm. And the wife or the partner is like, um, I've been telling you about this book. But what happens, generally speaking, and again, this is not true for all men, but just what came out of my women's circle, is when men find something and it resonates strongly, they take it as their own. Mm-hmm. They don't look around and say, who should I give credit to for no, this experience? it does not come – it doesn't seem natural. They just embrace it and and they will start sharing things like it's theirs. Yeah. And while there is some strength in that, like I think I can learn something from that, mm-hmm. there's something that women – generally speaking, tend to do, which is give credit where credit is due. If I use something that I learned or I I heard something on a podcast this morning, I will say, Rob Bell this morning on his podcast said blah, 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 rather than give the quote and act like it came straight from me. And you know, women t- tend to do the same thing with each other. Like, you know, there's a sense of, you remember when you told me this or that? Well, I took that and here's what I created it. Thank you so much. Right. And I don't think that always happens with you guys. No, I agree with that. And uh, and, and there is a, a balance to it. I remember early on when I started, you know, reading books that you supported or whatever, um, as I was talking to friends, I would always say, well, Wayne Dyer says this or Eckhart Tolle right. says that. And uh, it got to the point where I kind of stopped doing that because regardless of who wrote it, I it, it resonated with me. So I think women are much quicker to pass off accolades to somebody else. And obviously we're speaking in general terms, but I, I can't speak for all men, but I'm at the point where if I connected with a part in a book, I'm going to share it. And I may not share where I got it from because it may not matter. Now, if if the context matters to whoever, whoever I'm talking to, then I will bring it up. But I no, I think I'll take ownership over something that connects that I connect with. And I hear that in this way is that what I have found over the years is once I can read something and reconcile it in myself, meaning I can process through it and come and explain it in my own words, then mm-hmm. then I own it. Because here's the thing, nothing is new. Right. No matter what people write, no matter what, you know, message we get from the, the message latest that book, we're communicating on this podcast. It's the same. It comes it's, from Years, years and years and years of generational, you know, it's the Tao, yeah. the, you know, the Bible, the, all the messages that you're getting from these texts, it gets regurgitated in different ways yeah. in different and texts. And we're just putting our own uh, flavor on it. So nobody owns it. Right. And so it really isn't about maybe I got off topic with the who owns it because like you said, I never felt I owned yoga or owned, but it's that acknowledgement of- I think it's all about the fact that I probably never said- even though you were supporting me saying come to yoga or you're supporting me saying lead a men's group, I don't think I ever said the words, thank you, Kathy, yeah. for helping me create this. Or for my the women in my women's circle who's, you know, maybe whose husbands have picked up a book that they had recommended three years ago, just make that, just acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Like if they say, hey, Todd told me about this book. You told me about this three years ago, but now I'm ready to read it. That goes Here's the thing. such a long Those way. Those guys probably don't remember their wife recommending that book. Really? Why would you recommend some why would you remember something that happened 3 years ago? I don't remember what happened last week. But you knew like we had this and this was like 
nine years ago with Eckhart's work. Right. I had recommended it. You didn't you didn't want to read it. And then when you did pick it up, you did acknowledge it. Right. You you remembered. But I think you probably recommended a lot of things. I mean like it was just the Mark Epstein book, right? Yeah. There, I was listening to a, a book by Dan Harris called 10% Happier. And within that book, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Mark Epstein. Mark Epstein. It was his, his favorite teacher. And it really uh, – the, the message within the context of the book, I'm like, I might want to read this guy's book. And you said – I have that book. I've suggested it a few times. No recollection yeah. of you ever suggesting that to me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you didn't do it. You did it, but – in one ear and out the other. Right. Because you weren't in a place to even hear it no. yet is what you're so saying. So here's my thing. For the wives who get mad at their husbands or if the tables are turned, the husbands or get vice mad versa, at their wives. Right. Odds are they're not ignoring you or trying to not give you credit for supporting them in a certain way. They don't even remember when you tried to get them to support it because they weren't in that place to begin with. So then we're at a kind of a crossroads here. So how, because the truth is, is that what do all people want? They want to be seen, heard, validated, right? Right. So when someone does bring home a book that you've been recommending for four years and they say, I'm going to read this book now. I'm so excited. So-and-so recommended it. And you know that you recommended it. It's not about needing something other than just a slight acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And so the crossroads is, is I believe, and you tell me if, if this feels right to you, that that needs to be spoken. Because I feel like if it's not spoken in a kind and compassionate and really authentic place, it can be it can turn into resentment mm -hmm. because then there's that sense of well, it has to wow. be spoken by. In, in this example, you said where the wife suggests a book and the the husband doesn't acknowledge it. You're saying it has to be spoken by the wife, saying, "Hey, listen, I told you about that three years ago." And and it has to be done instead of a instead of a a, um, a negative way or like a trying to make the guy feel so bad. How do you do that? Well, I mean, it's tricky. You know, it is tricky because you're already pissed off to begin with. And pissed is a strong word. I was never pissed at Unseen. you. I felt I had, and you know, really, it was a good teaching for me because it helped me differentiate myself from my work. Mm -hmm. Like, even though we do all this work, and you know, you can practice something all the time, but sometimes it's knowledge until it's put into real life practice. Meaning, I can know I am not my job, mm -hmm. but until I'm confronted with, wow. You know, now I'm not quite sure who I am because now Todd's got all these things that used to be sacred to me and now they're sacred to him. How do I in how do I widen my understanding of, of what I do and why I do it? And like you said, not think it's mine, yeah. but like open my heart to everybody who wants to do this kind of work. And mm -hmm. and that's that's constant and ongoing is that you and I just had an experience and let's not say exactly what it was, but because I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, yesterday we had an experience where we found out something was doing somebody was doing something very similar to what we're doing. Oh yeah. And I had a moment of ugh. And then we looked at each other and Todd said, you know what? There is enough for everybody. Yep. And I said, You are right. And then that threw me into the best place I've ever been. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, I want to help them. Mm -hmm. I want to help you know, then you go into that good space. Yeah. Um, but I had to say out loud to you 
what I was feeling so I could go back into that good space. Right. If I didn't acknowledge my feelings. Well, I could have said, you're crazy. Why? This is a good thing. You know, I, or you could have made me feel bad, like I, you're greedy. Who well, that's what I mean. Are. That's yeah. what I mean. And I let you have those emotions. Sure. And, but then at the same time, kind of pointed out maybe a different way of looking at it. Yes. You let me have them, uh, meaning let me, I could have them no matter what, but you so allowed me to say what I need. to Let's give an say. example. Like let's say somebody started – uh, a conscious parenting podcast. Yeah. And there are next door neighbors. Like, yes. Let's just exaggerate. Okay. It. Um, you know, we'd be like, oh my gosh, how are we going to manage that? Because they're really good at what they do. And then we're not going to, all our listeners are going to jump ship from our podcast over to their podcast. And that's, uh, that's lack. That's thinking in lack. Yes. And so the abundant thinking is, is, but I'll stop there. You can have your feeling of yes. discomfort first, yes. meaning like yesterday, that thing that, you know, happened, I had my initial feeling of, oh, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with having that feeling right. because we beat ourselves up about, oh, I should just jump over that feeling and I shouldn't have felt that way. You know, kind of like when I told Todd the way I was feeling, yeah, that wasn't my best moment, mm. meaning that that wasn't probably the most abundant thinking, but it was real. Yeah. And that's who I, that's my whole self. I have ego. Well, and you've had, you shared two examples like that one. And then the one earlier on when you said, um, uh, you know, when you said, you know, Todd's doing yoga all of a sudden, he's going by himself and all that. You shared your vulnerable self. My vulnerable. That's a good way to say it because it is vulnerable. It makes you feel small. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're like, why Why is this even upsetting me? It'd be easier to take the path of least resistance and just suppress these feelings. And that doesn't do any good. But how you let them out is a big part. Because exactly. if you come and throw at me, you know, if you say something nasty towards me, I'm going to get defensive. That's right. We're going to fight. And here's what I had to be clear about before I said anything to you. My intention... Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. My intention was not to get you to not do these things anymore. Right. Meaning I wasn't saying... I just wanted to say out loud, this is hard for me. And I'm in a learning curve of trying to open myself up to the fact that you're going to be doing the same work I'm going to be doing and how do we do this together and how do I how do I feel grounded in this and it was we had many conversations after oh, that yeah. and we continue to yeah. um you know like I there was something that came up about a year ago where I said I want to do this this piece by myself mm-hmm. and this is important to me and you're like I don't care that's fine but I needed to at least say it you know people will say to Todd and I all the time how do you guys work together mm-hmm. and live together or you know do the, and the, the way that we do it is we don't is we bring up things that aren't easy to talk about. Yeah, you have the uncomfortable conversation. We do. We and have a you lot. You are them. much better at bringing those up than I am because, not that I would never bring it up. It's just it's hard. It takes courage to bring up uncomfortable. I don't like having uncomfortable Neither conversations. Do Nobody does. But, but I can't not. I know, and I can, and that's not good. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm working on because I'm usually like. Whatever, just take the path of least resistance. It's not worth getting upset over, but sometimes it's at the expense of my own well-being. Right, exactly. And and those are the things that we have to find in our own selves, our own sense of balance. Because what I found in this story that we're sharing from four or five years ago is that I felt unsettled and I was starting to feel resentment at Todd. Right. And unless I spoke it out loud and allowed it to be free mm-hmm. from my body and let him hear it from me in the most loving way I could because I had to sit. I didn't want it to come out in some like, you Mm -hmm. know, I wanted to say it in a really, then 
then we that's intimacy. Yeah. I was saying that to the women's circles. Every time we say intimacy, people think that's sex. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is I'm going to show you something that's kind of ugly about me. Yeah. And how are you going to accept it? Right. Are you going to throw ugliness back at me and we're going to just continue this cycle? Or are you going to say, okay, I hear you? Because I think you said, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But know that sometimes when I have those back and forths, it's because I'm start I'm we're creating a new path here together. Right. That's the thing we can depend on is change right. in a relationship. So let me end by saying this. To this it comes up a lot. Uh, uh women approach me a lot and they'll say, now my husband listens to your show and he'll come home and say, Did you hear what Kathy and Todd said? And and tell, you know, the partner when the partner is the one who brought, brought it to the, the, brought brought the show it to attention. in the first place. And it's okay to do that, meaning your partner loves that or, you know, that's great that you can have those connections. But don't forget to occasionally acknowledge and say thank you for bringing that show to my attention mm-hmm. because that goes a long way. Right. And you may say, but I don't need that. Well, right. maybe your partner does. Maybe she doesn't because yeah. I can't speak for all there's women. no harm in saying thank you. But there's no harm in being grateful. Right. And, um, and I think that that's important. So there we go. Um, our second partner is John Kelly. He's our dentist. I have a cleaning scheduled, I think, in the next week. Are I you can't, excited? can't wait. I know. You like them, don't you? Those uh, cleanings. No, I don't really like them. I do. I know. Because then I can feel all those spaces between my yeah, teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some people love getting their teeth I cleaned. I do. Uh, I'd rather go eat a burger or something. Well, I mean, obviously, but I don't like choose getting my teeth cleaned over going on vacation. It's just when it's getting done, it's like, this is great. Mm-hmm. That's not ready to go there with you. But uh, anyways, he also does uh, non-retractable orthodontics. He's doing that for both of our two older daughters. Uh, He's very good at what he does. He's on the cutting edge. He's in demand. He goes all over the country and talks to other dentists about how he does his thing. He's a teacher. Uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com, 773-631-6844. He also happens to be one of the nicer guys you ever want to meet. That doesn't hurt either. Um, Ron Swanson, you ready? Yep. What's wrong with Joan? She has a bad hangover, which she is pretending is allergies. Is she going to be okay? Wouldn't know. Never been hungover. After I've had too much whiskey, I cook myself a large flank steak, pan-fried in salted butter. I eat that, put on a pair of wet socks, and go to sleep. That works? It does. Please call now if you have questions about... There we go. There's Ron. Um, Erase. That was on the other night. Yeah, we watched we that one that the one. other night. Joan. Turn him in a bed. Terminant of bad. Terminant of bad. Um, my tournament of bad is that my wife is high maintenance. What I am? Yes. Why? Tell I'm, me. I'm gonna let you tell the story. Oh my! What story? Uh, you got mad at me last week for doing something in the car. I was driving. <laughs> okay. So you're being facetious that I'm high maintenance because that is not a language I would use for myself. I am. So here's what Todd does. And I think you got it. You either started doing this in college or you got it from your friend Brian or I don't even know. But Todd does this thing. First of all, he chews on his fingers a lot and he clips his fingers a lot. And he we have like in each car, we have finger clippers. Yeah, well, the cuticle cutters. The cuticle cutters because he likes well, to chew them. Well, because if I don't have those in there, you know what happens? Then you chew them and they bleed. I bite them and they bleed. And then I used to find like blood marks on the sheets because you would have bleedy cuticles. Gross. <laughs> Did you say bleedy cuticles? <laughs> yes, it's gross. Like little drops of blood. Okay. 
So anyway, so then Todd does this thing as he's chewing his fingers and clipping his nails. He drives the car with his knee. Right. And he he seems so offended by me when I'll say, honey, can you hold on to the steering wheel? And he will be he'll be like, I'm fine. I got it. And it's so I can't make turns with my knee, but I can keep going straight down a lane of traffic. Okay, so let's talk about what happened the other day, Yeah, which was you were clipping your nails, chewing your nails, driving with your knee. Mm-hmm. We have six children in the car. Six? and we're Yeah, didn't because didn't we have more than ours or did we just have uh, ours? Did we have three Maybe extras? we just have ours. Okay, I'm exaggerating. We just <laughs> had ours. I'm trying to make a good point. And we were driving next to a truck. Right. And the truck was – trucks are trucks. They're kind of swervy. Trucks are trucks. They're kind of like – Save that for your words of wisdom, sweetie. Well, they kind of like swerve a little bit where as the passenger, mm-hmm. because you were on the left lane, yeah. I feel the really truck was on our right. close to that truck. Yeah. And I look over at you and you're chewing your nails and driving with your knee. And so I said – and again, I'm not – like you're joking when you say I'm high maintenance because I'm pretty thoughtful about my words with you, I think. Wasn't I that time? I think I said, Todd, will you do me a favor and drive with your hands? (laughs) Because I'm next to a truck and you kind of – you do this like exasperated – thing where then you made that joke. And well, said, that one was funny because right. you had a point. Like, okay, yes. Like, can you please drive with your hands on the wheel? That seems like a pretty, <laughs> that's, that's like not high maintenance. Okay, that's good. like very Thank logical you. and practical. Thank you. But I thought it was funny enough to bring up. Well, yes. So, but having said that, I still am really good at driving with my knee. You know what? There is nobody in the world who I trust more to drive a car than you. That's right. I, and I say that with my full heart, but sometimes I think there might be a tinge of cockiness about that. Um, probably. Be- because a man, you know what my dad taught me? You mm. always de- you drive as a defensive driver. Yeah, you got to assume some nut job is going to do something bad. Like when people say, like, and hopefully people don't say this anymore, but, you know, I can drive after having four drinks because yeah. I'm a good driver. It's not about you. Somebody else may hit you and you may not have the reflexes anymore to do what you need to do. You lose your capability to mm. be yourself. Yeah. And so not only could you hurt someone because you do something stupid, but someone could hit you and then you can't manage that. Right. So, so A, don't drive drunk. Yes. B, um, drive with your hands. Yeah. Hands and not on, your knee. Keep your eyes on, on the road, your hands upon the wheel. See, Jim Morrison was talking to you. Keep your eyes. We're going to the roadhouse. We're going to have a real, a good time. Um, we got a iTunes review, sweetie. Okay. Uh, from Yvette. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her last name, okay. so I won't. She says, uh, I've been listening for this podcast for a few months, and it's my go-to podcast. Oh, I'm so glad. It's made me so much more aware of myself and how I interact with my two boys whenever I'm having a challenging time, especially with my three-year-old. I search the archives and find some insight into how you, how to work with him or my eight-year-old. The bonus is that I've learned so much about myself. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate those reviews. Todd and I, whenever we get emails or reviews, we read them and we share them with each other and we kind of have a moment of deep gratitude. Yes. So I want you guys every to know Every single time. Every single time. We really do. Even the bad ones. We've only gotten one bad one. Yeah. Out of five years. We must That's be doing good. something right. That's pretty good. Um, so thank you for giving us iTunes reviews. Thank you for sharing our show on Facebook. Thank you for shopping on Amazon through our website. What else can these people do to help us? 
And what else can um, I say? Thank you. Too. You know, if you haven't liked our page yet, like our page, follow our Twitter. Um, it's at Zen Parenting. There you um, go. We never talk about Twitter. Yeah, just well, cause... we have a lot of Twitter followers. And you and I don't spend as much time on Twitter as we do Facebook. So we're learning. We're, yeah, just just be patient just with us. Just be patient with us. We, we're getting there. Um, but I, I just decided something. What and is it? I'm hoping that you feel okay about this. Our big announcement next Monday. Yeah. Should we make it next Monday? Yeah, big announcement next Monday. Next Monday. Big um, announcement. No, not crickets. No. It's a big announcement. Um, let's see. No, we're not uh, cuckoo. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so next Monday we have a big announcement. Big or next annu- Tuesday. Yeah, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. We'll Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, I want to do one more tournament of bad. Okay. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Uh, one is very really sh- short, and it's my own personal turn- tournament of bad. I can't stand it when I have too many things in my pockets. Yeah. So that is something that I do to myself, and it drives me nuts. And I don't know. Like if I have a wallet and a phone and car keys in my pocket. See, you girls, you got the purse thing I going know. on. We're so lucky. We're, we try to like work Shove through our pockets, in. and it does not – it's not – I don't like it. You can't say this completely on the show because – it's got a word in it that, but there's something that Mike Ross always says to you about what you take with you. Yes, that's right. But we can't say that, sweetie. Well, you can say part of it. Um, well, you can say it. It's a body part. Spectacles, testicles, watch, wallet, keys. <laughs> so Todd says that a lot as Thank we're you. leaving. Spectacles, testicles, watch, wallet, keys. Yeah, that's a that's a, an anatomical word, it right? It is. It's a, not a word we should shy away from. No. No, it's not a bad we're word. We're big fans of using actual anatomy uh, for our kids, not the play words. Well, and they're, sometimes my children are happy that I teach children sex for a living, and sometimes they're completely embarrassed by it. Sometimes they run away, our kids, I know. whenever we use real body part names. They do. Well, and Especially that one, and you know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> but we got to do it. Yes. Um, and then here's my other question, and this is a question to our listeners. When cooking pasta, I honestly don't know what the right answer is. I know the way I do it. You bring the water to a boil. Uh huh. You put a little olive oil in there so it doesn't stick together. I don't do the olive oil anymore because what? it burns off. I've actually read that putting olive oil in there doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Oh, really? Now, again, someone could, you know, someone who actually cooks, right? <laughs> unlike you and I, may know better. So, but here's my thing. Okay. I keep the fire up. Okay. And I, it bubbles the whole time. Oh, you keep it boiling. I keep it boiling. Mm. You turn it down and let it just sit in still water. I do. That seems weird to me. Well, since it already was brought to a boil. But how do you know it's not dropping down to 300 degrees instead of 365? I don't know why I do that. Yeah, I think you should come over to my you know, side. You know why? I now I have a reason. Now this isn't a something that's right or wrong. It's that sometimes when you put a lot of pasta in, if it's still on high, it boils over. Yes, the water goes over. So right. I turn it down so it doesn't do that. So that's the reason why you probably. Turn it down. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're somewhere close to the stove, you should it shouldn't keep be keep it issue. jacked up. And the way you do it is you do. A, uh, you're smart because sometimes if you're doing macaroni and cheese, you only fill up one fourth. Like I'm always filling it up to the top yeah. and waiting for that to boil, yeah. and you'll just boil as like, much water. Yeah, you need. I've kind of taken note on that. That was that's good. So I feel like I won that argument. No, I'm giving you acknowledgement. I two the argument. I three the argument. I four the argument. I five the argument. I six the argument. I oh, you get to do it. I seven. I eight the argument. Are you full? I am full. Okay. Um, we're 46 minutes in, and we didn't get to our second topic. 
Okay. Well, we'll do that one on. We have two shows this week. Yes. We'll, so we'll do it for we'll our talk about Friday show. Um, texting um, your friends. Will you preview that discussion? Sure. So what we're going to talk about is how communication-wise, how we're starting to get maybe potentially a little lazy um, with how we communicate with our loved ones, that being friends, family, maybe even our children. I find text to be phenomenal, but I also think it has its limitations where sometimes we really have to um, – you know, maybe make a phone call mm-hmm. or maybe see someone face to face. And I also the other thing my my friend brought this to my attention. She also feels like our age group, we've gotten into a bad uh, rut where we cancel on people a lot. Um, and I think depending on the way you look at things, um, you may feel like people cancel on you a lot or you may kind of identify as a canceler. Right. And I just wanted to have that conversation because I think that there's truth to it. And I think that there's two sides to be heard. Hmm. All right. That sounds Jake to me. Um, can I say something one real quick? I hope you guys listened to our show last week um, oh, with uh, Roman Krizarek. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Empathy Show. Uh, he is a, you know, philosopher and a deep, you know, cult. What am I trying to say? A cultural thinker. How about yeah, that? There you go. And he is an empathy expert and he's just got – he's two, he has two books and he's so creative and innovative in what he's doing with helping people understand empathy with an empathy museum, an empathy library. And I really recommend that you listen to his show, um, Conversations with People We Love. It, it aired last Friday. I think and, it's com slash empathy. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, very good, sweetie. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is a good version that I want to play. That's pretty good. Um, is Jim sober for this one? Yeah, this is when he's sober. Uh, Jeremy Kraft, Avid Company, 630-956-1800, avidcode.net. Words of wisdom? Um, Have a real good time. How about that? Mine was going to be, keep your eyes on the road. Your hands upon the wheel. Uh, See you next week, or see you Friday. See you Friday. Adios.